0: This episode of The Motley Fool's industry-focused podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 250,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. Listeners looking for a free 30-day trial can go to audible.com forward slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Friday the 13th, so we're talking tech write-offs and yada, yada, yada. I'm joined today by Dylan Lewis, but before we dive in, we are going to play a short clip. Is this my stereo? Oh, hey, you got it. Hey, what happened to my stereo? It's all smashed up. That's right. Now it looks like it was broken during shipping, and I insured it for $400. But you were supposed to get me a refund. You can't get a refund. Your warranty expired two years ago. So we're going to make the post office pay for my new stereo now? It's a write-off for them. How is it a write-off? They just write it off. (laughs) Write it off what? Jerry, all these big companies, they write off everything. You don't even know what a write-off is. Do you? no i don't but they do and they're the ones writing it off Wish i had the last 20 seconds of my life back dylan you don't even know what a write-off is i love seinfeld so much that show i was so happy because it's free on hulu now Mm mm-hmm 'Cause I you know, I was like twelve and I would watch it with my dad and like wouldn't quite get it. But yeah. now it's
1: just gold. Cool. It was the same thing for me. Like I remember being young and like my dad was just laughing on the couch and I was like, Wait, what's so funny? <laughs> you know, it was like way over my head. But uh I was I was downstairs in the gym running on the treadmills like maybe like two weeks ago and that clip played, you know, it was that episode yeah. and I was just like but we have to do a show we have about to do this. Do a write-off episode. Yeah, no, it's like cuz I'm sure that's how the majority of people feel when they when they hear someone talking about a write-off. Right.
0: Um so what is the technical definition of a write-off to the IRS or how would you explain it to the
1: layman? Yeah, so like most people when they hear write-off they're thinking about like a tax deduction, right? So it's like something that lowers their taxable income, right? Something like that. Um, Kramer in this clip, Uh, I think he's talking about line items that are designated to account for like shrinkage or like damaged products. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. Um, So, most people think about the tax side of it. Uh, There are, you know, more on the retail side. I'm sure Vince could talk about this on a show sometime. Most retailers have accounts set up. To compensate for either shrinkage, so stolen products or damaged products, things that get lost somewhere um, or aren't sellable for whatever reason, maybe they get returned out of season, and then they they just know they're going to take a loss on that item. So so th- there's some notion of a write off there. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about uh, more corporate side write offs, less personal ones, and <laughs> a couple r- <laughs> and a couple really big ones that have hit the tech sector. Um,
0: okay, so. Kramer, obviously a moron, doesn't know what a write off is. We know that's basically just writing off, you know, for corporations. Um, Are there any major types that we should know about? Because you obviously have the the broader, just the, oh, we took a loss or something. But what about like accounts or just not being paid for something?
1: Yeah, more on the investing side and looking at companies. I think one of the big ones to be aware of is this idea of like an uncollectible account. And so uh, when you have companies working in a B2B setting, You know they'll have customers, and a lot of them will have available lines of credit, and so you know it'll be you know they'll have terms like two ten net thirty or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know it's like you pay in a set amount of time, you get a discount. Beyond that, you pay the full amount. Right. Um, Oh, I remember doing that stupid stuff in accounting (laughs) class. Does that ring true to like your uh, your accounting classes in college? Yeah. Yeah. And so basically, the way that works is they've made the sale, uh, but for accounting purposes. They record the transaction in their accounts receivable portion of the balance sheet. Right. And accounts receivable is basically an asset line item that says, we made this sale. Yep, like it's there, but we don't have the cash yet. Right. And so the idea is like once you get paid, you have that money in cash. Right. So you would reduce the amount from accounts receivable, that money would go to cash. Everyone's happy. Right. And this is just for everybody to know like these,
0: you'll find this on every balance sheet basically. Yes. Like everybody pretty much has accounts payable and accounts receivable. Mm -hmm.
1: So. And it just it keeps business flowing, right? right? Like you don't always need to have the money on hand to pay whatever you're paying. If you have a long-standing relationship with a supplier, you've built up trust. Right. They know that you're going to pay. Um, of course, <laughs> there's always the situations where people don't pay, right? And that's where you run into issues. Um, most major companies have an estimate of bad receivables, and so you know it'll typically be on a time frame basis, so they know. You know, ninety-five percent of receivables that are still within the first month are going to be paid. Ninety percent right. within the first six months, and then you know, if something has been outstanding for more than a year, it's probably, probably like not fifty percent so. chance yeah. of getting paid, or thirty percent chance of getting paid. So uh, that number is kind of built in that way. But um, one of the ways that this also kind of manifests itself, and um, it's something that investors might want to be aware of, is uh, is when you have a company filing for bankruptcy. Oh man! And so, <laughs> so a very high profile example of this that applies to tech is uh, Circuit City's bankruptcy in 2008. Got it. And yeah. so, at the time, they'd had debts, uh, I think, around like 2.3 billion or mm-hmm. so. And you look at their major creditors at the time. Not surprisingly, a lot of major tech companies. Right. I mean, right. that's what they were selling. And so, it, you just Dell,
0: HP, Microsoft, all those guys. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The the biggest one was Hewlett Packard, uh, who was owed uh, just under 120 million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Samsung. It's a lot of printers that they gave them. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Samsung was like 116 million. Uh, Sony was uh, about 60 million. And so the thing to be aware of here is if you see a major retailer or a major distribution outlet for, you know, hardware manufacturer or whatever going out of business, those companies probably aren't going to be collecting 100% of that money that they're owed. Right. If they're lucky, they're probably going to get about half. Right, but realistically, there are some times where you're just getting pennies on the dollar in these situations uh, with these uh, bankruptcy settlements. And for a company like HP, Samsung, Sony, these are huge companies. It's not going to have a meaningful impact on them. But um, there was another creditor on that list, Garmin, who uh, there was like some they need the money, some impact felt. Yeah, I mean, they were only owed about 15.4 million, but. you know, analysts at the time expected that it could impact them on like a six cents per share basis if they weren't able to collect on any of that balance. Uh and you know, at the that's time, that's meaningful. Yeah. yeah. The, and Circuit City at the time was about uh, a little bit under two percent of garment sales. So depending on the size of the company and the relationship they have, um, you know, it's something that you definitely need to be aware of.
0: But yeah, but and not only that, but when that retailer goes away, I mean that's a two percent swing in your revenues. Mm-hmm. I mean that's you know, that definitely happens. Yeah. It's always funny to me what uh, it doesn't happen a lot, but uh, in another retail situation, not a tech one, but um, J.C. JCPenney two years ago, when they were like, you know, the word bankruptcy was being thrown around, even though they didn't, um, holiday season ran around and they actually did a share sale just so they would have the cash on hand so that their people would send them clothes to sell at Christmas time. Yeah. They were like, everybody was like, no, we're not going to send you clothes. Like, you know, Ralph Lauren wanted to make sure they're going to get paid and they were like kind of withholding. It's like,
1: I don't know, anyway. Yeah, and another example of that going on right now outside of the tech space, but if you look at Sports Authority, two of the largest creditors um, in the publicly traded sphere for Sports Authority are Nike and Under Armour. Right. And so, you know, the idea is they've given them supplies and. They're waiting to get paid for them. And so, you know, that is a story to watch. If you want to see how this topic develops a little bit and just get a better sense of it, watch the news items as they relate to that bankruptcy. And I think it'll do a really good job illustrating that. Awesome.
0: All right. So before we move on, here at the Motley Fool, we talk a lot about investing. And every now and then, we recommend books, services, and other great ways to educate yourself. Listeners looking for a free 30 day trial can go to audible.com forward slash fool. A great way to do that is, of course, audiobooks, which is why we're so excited to be partnering with Audible.com. As I mentioned before, they have over 250,000 fiction and nonfiction titles, one of which is a book that I've recommended to Dylan numerous
1: times, which is Adventure Capitalist by Jim Rogers. Yeah, you... You've really sold it. I got to be honest. It was it was from. I haven't not tried it because of my own reluctance. It's been I've been listening to some podcasts and stuff, but I've gotten through that backlog, and I'm excited to give it a shot. Can you give us like two sentence description on this? Uh, two sentences. Um, Jim Rogers was a hedge fund
0: manager in the 60s and the 70s. He was actually the first business partner of George Soros, um, the hedge fund manager that uh, lives in uh, works in New York, but. Um, Jim Rogers retired in like 1980, and in like 19, so he has like 100 million dollars, and he just hangs out now. But um, and he writes books and all this stuff. But uh, he went around the world twice, 130, 140 countries. The first time was in in the early 90s, and he did it on a motorcycle with his wife. Wow. And he writes about his journeys when he just learns about investing in each of these countries, and it is awesome, because he did it again in a car this time in the book Adventure Capitalist. And he starts in Ireland, and he zigzags. All through Africa, Europe, goes they put the car on the Trans Siberian Railroad. I mean it is awesome. And he talks about investing insights and insights about people on in his travel. So it sounds like I'm gonna have a pretty riveting metro commute it's, it's pretty for the money. next week or yeah. two. No, cannot recommend it enough. Um, so moving back into uh, talking about write-offs. Um, talk to me about write downs because uh, people do need to estimate, uh, especially in tech. You know, you invest and you're like, okay, we're going to spend a billion dollars making this new computer chip, and oh, it doesn't actually work.
1: <laughs> like, what? How does that happen? Yeah. So, with write-offs, in the previous example of accounts receivable, you thought you were getting X amount, and you actually wound up getting Y amount, and you had to write down for that. It's a similar idea with write-downs, um, and most of the time, you see this with acquisitions or in the goodwill space, where. Um, what you thought was worth X is actually worth Y. That's the best way I can explain right. it for you. Um, and uh, just as a refresher, we've actually talked about goodwill a little bit. I think we did the show "Everything You've Ever Wanted to Know About Tech, But We're Afraid to Ask." Right. And uh, we talked about Facebook's goodwill with the WhatsApp acquisition. But goodwill, basically, when one company acquires another company, there's the book value for that business, and then there's what the acquirer actually wound up paying. Right. And so, you know, there's usually a premium with any acquisition. Uh, just happens, but um, they attribute that premium to the intangible assets like brand, established customer base, uh, the employee culture there, things that seem to add value to the business, but you can't tie a direct dollar amount to. And that premium is what goes on the balance sheet as goodwill. Cool. Goodwill, yeah, yeah. And so, of course, you either wind up realizing that value or you don't. Right at some time, right. you have to. Pay the piper and say, all right, well, it turns out it didn't really work out, or whoa, like maybe in the case of Facebook and Instagram, like this has been gangbusters for us and right. it's been incredible.
0: Well yeah, on WhatsApp, I it's actually funny to me, WhatsApp keeps adding users and everything, and I'm starting to wonder like actually, will they get about twenty billion in value out of that? That'd be cool. Anyway, um, do you have any bad examples for us? <laughs> yeah. So
1: in the case of Microsoft's Nokia acquisition, what's Nokia? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oof. Uh, so in April of 2014, Microsoft acquired Nokia's phone unit, and they bought it for about 9.5 billion. <laughs> I and, didn't
0: know it was that high. <laughs> and that inc- that
1: does include 1.5 billion in acquired cash. Whatever. So so depending on how you see it stated, it might be closer to 8 billion uh, as reported by some outlets. And this was, of course, a deal in the Steve Ballmer regime of he Microsoft. bought Skype for 8 billion dollars too. Do you remember that anyway? Yeah. And so, uh, Satya Nadala's predecessor, of course. And uh, this was obviously a flop. Um, Microsoft's smartphone business just has not done well. It hasn't gained market share. It hasn't gained traction. And um, it's just kind of floundered and lost money. And so, in July of 2015, the company announced they were going to take an impairment charge of $7.5 billion related to the phone hardware business, which is. The Nokia acquisition, like that, that right. was their phone hardware presence, right? And so, uh, this write down actually caused Microsoft to incur its largest ever quarterly net loss. Wow. Which yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, so you see these things on the balance sheet, something like Goodwill, and you're like, okay, well, it's kind of like a kicking the can down the road type approach to accounting for things. But at the end of the day, the companies have to come to terms with what they own. And what it's worth, yeah. and, and that's where you see these large impairment charges coming in. And so this is a, a write down as it relates to an acquisition. So uh, taking a step back, just as investors,
0: um, and just philosophically, what do you, how how do you, how does Dylan Lewis
1: treat an, a, a loss like that from Microsoft? Like, what do you think when you see that? So this was telegraphed, and uh, they investors knew what to expect. So when they had their conference call. Uh, it was not this huge shock, right? Which is good. I mean, like, yeah. that, that's what you want to do as a company. You want to really message it and make it clear. My personal thoughts: If you see a company carrying a ton of goodwill, you need to be aware that this is the downside of something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a big difference between actual value and unrealized right. value, and and I think that that's just something to be aware of. So, if you're looking for a teachable moment here. You're not always going to be able to see or really easily project how an acquisition might pan out. But if you see a company has a ton of goodwill on their balance sheet, then maybe you just need to pump the brakes a little bit. Got it. Cool. All right. Thanks for your thoughts. I'm going to plug our Twitter feed briefly, Sean. Oh, man. Just because I have to. You've been doing this all week. <laughs> yes. And uh, so I have a special trivia question for listeners. Uh, we have. A uh, little trivia tidbit we came across on the show. And we thought it'd be more fun to just ask you guys and see if you could find it. Um, so, what is the largest Goodwill write-down in history? If you know or if you can find the answer, tweet it at us, at MFIndustryFocus. Uh, we will probably just retweet the first person to, yeah. uh, to find it. Um, also, I just want to give a special shout-out to uh, Nagarjuna S., uh, who correctly guessed the break-even number of burritos at Chipotle's first location. That was something we tweeted out earlier that week. That was 114 burritos. Oh my god! Which is crazy, right? Is it, what is that what do they cost? Eight bucks each? Seven? Yeah, but this was also a long time ago. A while ago, yeah. yeah and okay. rent was probably a lot. I think his rent, his monthly rent, was like eight hundred and fifty bucks. Got it, something like that.
0: Um, so just to specify the the question of the day today, it's corporate America
1: history, not like other write downs. Yes, I, I'm not accepting like yeah. sovereign debt write downs. Well, I,
0: I, I was going to be like, well, the British monarchy probably had to write off the 13 colonies. So that would be pretty
1: big. <laughs> <laughs> no, this this has happened within the last. We'll say th- yeah. 30 years. Uh, hint, it's a rather large number. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. It, it makes the Microsoft Nokia acquisition look like peanuts.
0: Peanuts, yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well that uh, thanks again, Dylan. Always a pleasure,
0: shopping. See you there. Well, that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. Don Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and yada, yada, yada.